We have a God that controls the wind and the waves, and he cares about you. I don't know what wind and waves have come into your life this week. Uh, maybe it's been some good waves of blessing, like your kids went back to school. That's a pretty good wave of blessing. Yeah. Someone said hallelujah. Or, or maybe it's a wind and waves created by a storm that's come into your life that's really knocked you to your knees. I know this. We have a God who controls the wind and the waves, and he can calm them in your heart and in your life. And he wants to do a great work in your life. It's going to be an amazing fall at Woodland Church. Kicking off our fall next week, but really, it starts right now. Because God wants to do something greater and more powerful than he's ever done in your life and through our church. God's working at Woodland Church in such an amazing way. And when you align yourself with God to really reach people, to minister to people, to make a difference in their lives, to lift up Christ, then he does some amazing things in your life because your heart is aligned with God's heart. And that's what's happening at Woodland Church. God, doing, God is doing an amazing work, not just throughout the church, but in your life. That's what he wants. So let's pray to him. Dear God, we just thank you so much that you are real. And Lord, we thank you that you care about every detail of our lives. So I don't know, Lord, what wind and waves have come into each and every life today. All those here at the Woodlands campus, everyone at the Atascacita campus, Everyone, Lord, who's worshiping with us right now online, but you know, and I know that your word is life-changing, and I thank you that you're going to speak a personal and powerful word right into their heart today that's life-changing. So, Lord, we just ask you to do all that you want to do today. We don't want to miss out on any miracles that you have for us, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. My grandson Lincoln started kindergarten this last week, which was a huge milestone. And after his first day of school, my daughter Megan went to pick him up and the teachers walk all the students down the sidewalk in front of the school as they're getting picked up. And the kindergartners were the last group of kids and Lincoln was the very last kindergartner. And he was wearing a bike helmet and the teacher was helping him walk a bike down the sidewalk. The only problem was, he didn't ride a bike to school. He doesn't even have a bike. And Megan said, that, that's not his bike. And see, apparently they'd asked the kindergartners, who's a rider, who's a walker, who's a bike rider? And Lincoln decided since he had a choice, he would be a bike rider. <laughs> Kindergarten is great. They give you a bike if you want one. And I gotta give him credit for his optimism about the new school year. He was believing God for a big upgrade from preschool. I do feel for the kid who got his bike stolen on the first day of school, but <laughs> this fall, God wants you to believe him for greater things in your life. God wants you to expect him to do a new work in your life. He wants you to experience new growth, develop new habits, make big changes, receive new blessings, but to experience more growth than ever, we have to experience more of God than ever. A few years ago, I was preaching in Stockholm, Sweden, and Chris and I had the opportunity to go to the building where they present the Nobel Prizes. The same building where Francis Crick and James D. Watson in 1953 
were awarded the Nobel Prize for discovering the now famous double helix, that deoxyribonucleic acid, DNA. And scientists have now been studying DNA for 70 years, and they continue to marvel at DNA, this genetic information that's embedded in each of our bodies, over 100 trillion cells that determine our physical characteristics. And today, I want us to look at the DNA of God. Now, does God have DNA? Yes, not so much in a physical sense, but embedded in God is a DNA in each cell of his character. And God's DNA has never changed. His genes cannot mutate. His character is consistent. The Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if I can just learn a little more about God's DNA, his character, and what he's like, then I can learn more about how he wants to relate to me and what he wants to do in my life. I'll never understand what I was designed to be until I understand the DNA of the one who designed me. But before we look at what God is like, I think it's important to first ask, is there a God? Because who cares what God is like if there's not a God? And most people used to say, that's just a theological question because to believe in God, you gotta take this blind leap of faith and it has nothing to do with scientific evidence. You gotta throw scientific reasoning out the window to believe in God. But the discovery of DNA is just one of the scientific discoveries over the last 70 years that points clearly to the existence of a creator. For you see, whenever there is complex information, there's always intelligence behind it. And God has stamped on every one of your bodies over 100 trillion cells evidence of himself. Wherever there's complex information, there's always intelligence behind it. Let me give you an example. We have a lot of river rock in the landscaping in our front yard. Our yard slopes upward, and sometimes when it rains, some of those rocks get washed out into the street or into the driveway. And there are times after a big rain that I'll pull into the driveway and see landscaping rocks all over my driveway. It drives me crazy. But when I see that, I realize No person hates me enough to come to my house and intentionally pick up several rocks and randomly place them in my driveway. No person caused this. The rain just washes them into the driveway. But when my oldest sons were in high school, I came home one evening and noticed there were landscaping rocks in the driveway, but this time it was very different. For I looked at those landscaping rocks in the driveway and I noticed the rocks were arranged in the shape of an arrow pointing up the driveway. And as I went up the driveway, I noticed there were more rocks and they were arranged in a way that spelled out the words, Hi, Joshua. So I surmised from that. There is information here. This information had to have been caused by intelligence. I wasn't sure how intelligent the intelligence was. And later I found out that a couple of Josh's friends who'd come over and found that no one was home decided to write him a little note with my landscaping. (laughs) But here's the point. Whenever there's information, there's intelligence behind it. And DNA is this powerful source of information that goes beyond any computer capabilities that we have today. 
And with all that complex information embedded in each cell of our bodies, there has to be intelligence behind it. And scientists are learning more and more about DNA each and every day and all the complexities behind it. But a little shepherd boy 3,000 years ago knew about this. And I want you to look at what he said in Psalms 139. Would you stand in honor of God's word and just follow along with me? I love Psalms 139. It's one of my favorite chapters in scripture. David said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. I want you to turn to the people around you and say, you are wonderfully complex. You are wonderfully complex. You are wonderfully complex. You can be seated. You're wonderfully complex. And husbands and wives, if you're sitting together, husbands, look to your wife and say, you are wonderfully complex. God created you wonderfully complex. You know, I, David basically says here, thank you, God, for making me so wonderfully and intricately complex, embedding it in each of my cells. In each cell of your body, there's this wonderfully complex information. So there must be an intelligent designer behind it. The evidence is so clear that there's a God, but some people don't want to believe in God. And I believe it's because if there is a God, then they have to deal with the ramifications of that in their own life. You see, if there is a God, then I'm under his authority. Then I'm accountable to him. I have to live the way he wants me to, not the way I want to. And some people don't want to be accountable to anyone. They want to live their life the way they want to live. So the Bible says they suppress the truth in their mind. They just kind of push it down and push it away and, and they strongly declare they don't believe in God because they've suppressed the truth in their mind that is so obvious. So they can live the way they want to rather than have to answer to a God in the way he wants them to live. So the question really isn't, is there a God? The question is, what is that God like? Well, the Bible tells us and creation confirms it that God is bigger and greater than we could ever begin to fathom. Theologians call this God's transcendence. That is, he transcends time and space. He's outside of time and space because he created it all. He is greater than we could ever grasp. He is incomprehensible. He can't be completely understood by any of us in our human finite minds. And if I could comprehend everything about the creator of the universe, then I would be as smart as God. And if God is not smarter than I am, we are all in trouble. And so I am grateful, even though I get frustrated when I can't figure out what God is up to at times in my life, I'm grateful that God knows so much more than I do and I can't comprehend everything about God because God is bigger and greater and more powerful than I could ever fathom. But God is also closer than I could ever imagine. Theologians call this God's eminence. He's close. He's transcendent. He's greater than time and space, but he's also imminent. He's close to us and he cares about us. Now, look at what David said about the closeness of God. 
in Psalms 139, verse 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. David says, the great creator is also the great connector. For you see, God is powerful, but he's also personal. And if you don't fully realize this, you'll miss out on the miracles God wants to do in your life. If you doubt that God is all powerful and he's also personal, you won't pray like you should. And you'll miss out on so many blessings that God wants to give you. You may believe in God, but if you don't really believe that God is all powerful and he's also personal, you'll live like God doesn't exist. He's not just a powerful God, he's a personal God, and he knows you. Look at Psalm 139, 17. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. Did you know that God is thinking about you? He's thinking about you all the time. He's thinking about me all the time. It says that his thoughts about you are so numerous, they're like the grains of sand on the seashore. You can't even count them. God is thinking about you. He's thinking about me. He's thinking about you right now. He's thinking about you all the time. The God who created the universe thinks about every detail of your life. He's not just a powerful God out there in the cosmos somewhere that doesn't make a difference in our lives. If he's just a powerful, transcendent God that created it all and said, okay, just go at it, don't really care about you guys, then what does that mean? That doesn't make any difference in my life, and I'm so grateful that he's also a personal God. And some of you think nobody understands me. God does. Some of you think nobody really gets me. God does. Some of you think no one really knows the struggle I'm going through. God does. He knows everything about you, every detail of your life. He thinks about you constantly. He's thinking about you right now. That just blows me away to think that the God of the universe who created all that I cannot even begin to comprehend is always thinking about me. He cares about every detail of your life. He's personal. And that's why Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. It's not religion, it's a relationship because God, who is all powerful, is also personal. Well, I want us to look again at Psalm 139, verse 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God is personal, but this says he's also purposeful. God planned you before you were born. God planned you before he created the universe. He thought you up, and he gave you the gifts, the abilities, the talents, and the passion in your life so you could fulfill the plan that he purposed you for. So you can fulfill his purpose. He put all that in your life for that reason. You were planned for a purpose, and innately every one of us deep down knows we were created for a purpose. Now there are times when we struggle to find that purpose, but we all know deep in our soul that we're not a random accident, and all of this is not an accident. 
that we're on earth for a purpose. God has stamped it on the DNA of every cell in our body that we were designed for a purpose. Sir John Templeton put it this way. He said, would it not be strange if a universe without purpose accidentally created humans who are so obsessed with purpose? Yes, it would be strange. The reason why we are so obsessed with purpose is because we have a God whose DNA is purposeful. And he is embedded into every cell of your body and deep into your soul a desire for purpose. You're created uniquely for a unique purpose. I see this generation of young people who are coming up and the generation right below my generation really striving to stand out really trying to be unique. It seems like, you know, the ultimate is to be unique and everyone's trying to be different, to be noticed, to stand out maybe on social media, to do something unique that people notice. But if you're a Christ follower, you need to stop trying to be unique because you already are. God made you unique for a unique purpose. Do you realize there's no one else in the world like you. Of all the billions of people who've walked this planet, there's never been anyone else with your fingerprints, with your footprints, with your voice print. You see, you're completely unique, and when you try to be unique, when you strive to stand out, you just become like everyone else. You just become like everyone else. Striving to be noticed, striving to stand out, you don't realize that you're already unique. All you need to do is be who God made you to be. So how do you discover the unique purpose God created you for? Well, it starts by getting to know God and then getting to know God better and better to become closer and closer to him. Because if you wanna know what something is made for, you've gotta ask the one who made it. You gotta find out from the one who made it. Then you look at the unique gifts, abilities, passions that God has given you, and even your struggles and problems, because if you're a believer, there's no problem without purpose. Sometimes we don't know what the purpose is right away, and some problems we won't understand the purpose until we get to heaven, but there is no problem without a purpose. And God even uses our struggles and our problems to help us fulfill that purpose. Well, let's look again at Psalm 139. Look at verse 18. David said, when I wake up, you are still with me. You are still with me. As a believer, God is always with me. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Some of you maybe had a dad who was never there. Maybe he was always gone on business trips, or maybe you had a parent who abandoned you, or maybe you had a parent who was not really emotionally engaged with you. God will never abandon you. He will never leave you. He's the perfect heavenly father who's always present. He always has time for you. He's never too busy for me. And when I pour out my heart to God and just tell him all my deepest hurts, all of my overwhelming problems, I'm so glad God doesn't say, what was that? I I'm sorry, I, I wasn't listening. I just missed what you were saying. I mean, you have to understand that, that I am busy trying to make sure the universe is clicking and everything's going smoothly, and so I just wasn't listening. Can you repeat that? I'm so glad God is never too busy for me. He's totally present. 
the great and powerful creator, is also the great connector. And he's placed within us this deep desire for connection, to connect with him and to connect with others in relationship. It says in Ephesians 4.25, in Christ's body we're all connected to each other. God created me for connection. But we live in a very disconnected society. I mean, years ago, it used to be that you would grow up in a town, and then you would live in that same town all your life, and your parents, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins would all be in the same town. You'd have this extended network of connection that was really healthy. But now we live in a very mobile society, and you may live in a place where you have no relatives, or maybe just two or three relatives, and Maybe you have relatives spread out all over the country because we live in this very mobile society and we've become very disconnected. But that's where the church comes in. That's what the church is all about. The church is to be that extended family. The church is not a building you go to. It's a family you belong to. The church family is to be that powerful form of connection where you're connected in an extended family that produces spiritual, emotional, and even physical health because you were made for connection. I was talking to a really wise friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about our fast-paced, modern, crazy culture, and, and he said, you know, I think our culture pushes people to either be robots or animals. He said a lot of people just turn into robots, working themselves to burnout, but they have no overarching purpose in their lives. But then other people just act like animals, doing whatever they feel like to anesthetize their pain, and they just live for the moment with no purpose. He went on to say, but we aren't robots and we're not animals, we're human. And as humans, we were created for relationship, a relationship with God and a relationship with other humans. We have to have that. We need a deep and real connection with God, and we need strong and genuine relationships with others. And we're moving so fast in life, or we're anesthetizing our pain. We're always running, and we wonder what's wrong. Why do we feel this disequilibrium of the soul? Why is this not right? What is wrong? It's you were made for relationship. And you can't go 100 miles an hour each and every day and build relationships. It takes time. You gotta slow down. You gotta have connection. But God made you for that. And that's why first and foremost, you need to connect to Christ. If you have never connected to Christ, if you've never received his free gift of forgiveness, you, you see, Jesus Christ... The God of creation, he was there at creation, the scripture says, but then he came to this earth. He's transcendent at creation, and then he comes to this earth and puts himself in this frail human flesh and becomes imminent. He wanted to be close to us so we could see what God is like and that he could live this perfect life and then die as the ultimate sacrifice that would bring us back into relationship with God that we had severed through our sins. You see, God is all about connection. It's all through his DNA, and he embedded it in your DNA because scripture says we were made in the image of God. Not that we're gods with a little g. We're not gods. 
He's God and we're not, but he embedded in us this DNA that's like him, that, that resembles him and reflects him. And when you're going so fast in life that you can't stop for connection because you think you can make it on your own, you're gonna eventually crash and burn because you were made for connection. You're gonna always have this emptiness in your soul. God made you for relationships, so connect to Christ. Receive him into your life today. And if you're not a member of a church family, that's God's will for your life. There's no way you can really grow strong in your faith if you're not a member of a local church family. God commands us to be part of a local church family. You know, Christian life is not just a matter of believing, it's a matter of belonging. And so you need to belong to a church family. It's one of the most life-changing things you can do. We have our membership class coming up August the 27th, Sunday, right after the 1130 service. It lasts two hours. I'm teaching the class live. It's gonna be a huge class. That's how you join Woodland Church. You take a little baby step. But God works miracles in your life when you're connected. You get connected. You get to know others, and you go through life together. It's, it's an amazing thing. That's what the church is all about, that extended family. And I really challenge you because we're coming up on our 30th anniversary as a church in November. That's a great thing to celebrate. It's all God. Everything that's happened, I mean, God's done it. And God's done so much. But I really feel like, and Chris really feels like, the Lord's been putting on our heart that we're really just getting started. That, that really, it's these next 30 years that God is going to do things that we could never dream or imagine. That it feels like the beginning of Wilderness Church to us. And God wants to do some new things. He wants to do new things in your life and in our church and through our church. And when I think about we're starting the new campus downtown and I think about all the missions and the ministries that we're starting and all the things that God is doing as we step out in faith. I mean, it's really like the beginning of our church. And so everyone who's joined our church in the first 30 years is gonna be part of the founding team, a foundational member. And so... If you haven't joined, if you join before the end of November, then you're going to be part of that founding team. And we're going to do some really special things like put your name in a time capsule to be opened in 30 years. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be around or not, but I'll either be around or in heaven, but I just know that God's going to be doing amazing things even greater things because that's the way our God is. And those people that will open up that time capsule and see your name 30 years from now will realize their lives wouldn't be changed if you hadn't been a part of the team to make a difference. And so sign up for the membership class. Go online, sign up August 27th, Sunday, one o'clock to three o'clock. We feed you, we take care of your kids. There's really no excuse. I can't wait for the class. Don't miss it. And you need to get connected in a life group. That's where you really grow in a life group where you have others that are going the right direction. They don't have it all together, but they're going through the same stage or age as you are. And so we can sign you up to get in a life group right out here in the foyer today at both of our campuses. And at both of our campuses, we're having the membership class August 27th. Don't miss it. Chris and I decided to start a new tradition this year that when one of our grandchildren turns seven or eight, we will take them on a short trip by themselves. Wherever they wanna go, 
as long as it's in the lower 48, and we try to gear them to a national park that's not too far away, they can go anywhere they want. They choose it. And we kicked it off this year with our oldest grandson, Ben, and he chose Utah. And we're in Utah, that's kind of far away, but let's, let's take a look at it. And so we realized, you know, there's all these national parks. So for a few days, we went to Moab, Utah, to Arches National Park. Never been there, it was amazing. And one of the things that we did was whitewater rafting. And as soon as we got on that raft and pushed out into the river, Ben was asking our rafting guide if he could jump in and swim. And she was a young lady who grew up rafting. She knew what she was doing. Her parents were river guides on the Colorado River and the Grand Canyon. And she said, Ben, you can swim in a little bit, but right now we're coming up on some rapids. So please stay in the boat. And after we went through the white water, the water calmed and the guide said, okay, the pool's open. So Ben and a couple other kids on the raft jumped in and Ben just started shivering. The water was 55 degrees. Yeah, some of you go, boy, that feels, that'd feel really good right now. I would love that. No, it was freezing, but he was shivering, but he didn't mind because it was so fun. He was just floating in his life jacket and just having a great time playing with these other kids he had just met, and it was awesome. And then Chris looked at me and she said, you gotta jump in and watch him. I'm like, what? That water's gotta be freezing. And look, he's in a life jacket. He, he's just floating about 40 feet in front of the, the raft. He's gonna be he's just drifting away. It's okay, he'll be all right. We'll meet with him down at the end of the river. It's no big deal. And Chris said, no, we're responsible for him. You gotta be right next to him. So I slowly got out of the raft and slowly went in until I slipped and boom, I was in. And it was so cold, but I focused on Ben. You know, no matter how cold it was, and I tried to keep him close to the boat and keep pulling him up next to the raft. And after a few minutes, our guide said, okay, it's time to get, to get back in the raft. We're coming up on some rapids, so everybody get back in. So the guide pulled Ben and the two other kids back in the raft. Then I grabbed the side of the raft and started to pull myself onto the raft and nothing happened. <laughs> I mean, I didn't move at all. It's like, and the guide said, you need to hurry and get back on because we're coming up on rapids. Yeah, okay, I will. I'm gonna get it. Try it again, nothing, nothing happened, nothing moved. And he said, you need to hurry up. And I said, yeah, I'm gonna get it. And she realized I was having some trouble, so she said, just put your right foot up on the handle of the raft, on the side of the raft, okay? And I go, okay, yeah, okay, I did that. Got my foot up there, and she said, okay, just pull yourself on. I said, I've been trying to this whole time. <laughs> and I said, I've got it, it's okay, don't worry about it, you just go on, it's, I got it. And then I could see panic in her face. She said, no, we're coming up on rapids, you need to get into the boat. And I, okay, I got it, I'm gonna get in, I'm gonna get in the boat. And, and all of a sudden, this little gal just grabbed me by the neck brace on my life jacket and just threw me onto the boat, just hurled me onto the raft without me helping one bit. She was like pulling a whale out of the water. She got me up there. I'm just laying there, flat on my stomach, totally humiliated. Chris is just laughing. 
We got through those rapids, and then Ben said, hey, is the pool open? And she said, you bet, the pool's open again. He jumps in, I go, no, no. And Chris said, yeah, you gotta go in. She's smiling at this time, you gotta go in. So I jump in, and sure enough, hey, rapids are coming, everybody get back in. Oh, no, not again. And Chris said, hey, let let me try it to the guide. And, And the guide was teaching her how to do this while I'm just hanging on the side. It was so humiliating. She goes, oh, this is gonna be awesome. So Chris grabs me uh, by that, you know, that neck brace there in the back, and then she, the guide says, just fall back as hard as you can. She fell back, and boom, I flew up onto the raft again. And Chris said, I hope the pool's open again. That was awesome. <laughs> totally humiliated. And I tried so hard that second time to get up. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know why this isn't working. I'm gonna, Chris is not gonna do this to me, you know, but nope, I couldn't do it. And in life, a lot of you are living your life in such a way that you're heading for the rocks because you haven't realized you're human. You think you can make it on your own. You think you can pull yourself up and accomplish all that you need to accomplish on your own. And God is saying, if you admit you need help, I'll pull you onto the boat. The same boat every one of my children are in, they're all human, and they all need me. You weren't made to make it on your own. You need to be pulled onto the boat by Jesus Christ, who's stronger than you are, he's God, you're not, and you need to be pulled into the same boat with all his other children because we need each other so desperately. But in pride, just like I said, I I can get on this, Nobody, don't look over here. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna do it. Don't look at my struggles. We try to hide our struggles. We try to hide our pain or we anesthetize our pain. When God says, all you have to do is just let me get you onto the boat. Stop trying to save yourself in your pride and admit you're human and you need God. I don't know what's keeping you from the next step in your faith. But I know this, God wants to take you to a whole new level this fall. He's got new blessings, new growth. But it's gonna take more of God. It's gonna take more surrender, whatever it is. Maybe you've never received Christ and you need to surrender for him to save you. You need to say, you know what, I'm tired of being, trying to be God. I'm not God. I'm not the creator of the universe. I'm not the one that keeps it all going. I need God in my life. I receive Jesus Christ. I want a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Maybe that's the surrender today that you need to make, that first step of surrender. Or maybe it's joining the church. It's like, hey, that's a good thing to do when we get around to it. Yeah, that's cool. But right now we're pretty busy. No, it is an essential thing for you to do, to be in God's will and to really grow and go to the next steps just a baby step of faith, and you need to sign up, make it a priority, become part of the founders team to make a difference. Or maybe it's being in a life group. You haven't really taken that step to be in a life group, and you need to get in a life group with people who are going the right way, and people who are normal, they don't have it all together, because no one's really normal, none of us have it all together, but they're in the same stage, and they can relate to you, and you guys can help each other, We have so many amazing life groups and you need to go out there and sign up today. Get connected to a life group. I don't know what that next step is for you. It may be putting God first in your finances, putting God first at your workplace, putting God first 
by spending time with them in the morning, just 10 minutes, give them the first part of your day. I don't know what it is, but I know this, you need relationship. A relationship with God that's stronger and deeper where you grow closer to him and relationships with people that are going the right direction. Other children of God are in the same boat with you that don't act like they've got it all together, but they keep turning to God and keep turning to God. That's what you need. As we kick off this fall, we have the big kickoff next weekend, let God kick off something new in your heart and in your life. That's what he's up to. Scripture says, forget the past. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I'm doing a new thing. God says, I'm bringing a new wave, and I want you to ride that wave. Don't miss it. I'm doing a new thing. I want to do something new in your life. Let's bow together, and would you stand with me? Are you ready for a new work of God? Are you ready for new blessings? Are you ready for new strength? Are you ready for God to do something new and powerful in your life? Let's just thank him because that's who he is. And let's just ask him to do that. Dear God, we come before you and we humbly say that we recognize how much we need you. But so many times, Lord, I forget that and I act like that I can just make it on my own and I don't need to pray like I should or spend the time with you that I need to and or to connect with others the way I need to, Lord. And then I realize when I feel that emptiness that it's all about relationship, Lord, because you're the great creator, but you're also the great connector. And, and so, Lord, we humble ourselves and admit that we need you desperately in everything in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, that we're all in the same boat. So I pray for those who've never received you into their life. They're still trying to control things and trying to be God trying to pull themselves up. Lord, help them right now in this moment surrender to you and, and say this prayer silently to you. Dear Jesus Christ, I admit I need you to save me. I'm tired of trying to save myself. So I just accept your free gift of forgiveness of all my sins and I ask you to take me to heaven one day. I accept your free gift of salvation. I ask you to come into my life with your Holy Spirit and just Bring me into the boat, Lord. Give me the power that I need each and every day. Be the Lord of my life. And then, Lord, I pray for everyone who needs to take that little step and join the church, Lord. I thank you for all the thousands who are founders, Lord, founders team at Woodland Church. And, Lord, I know there's going to be so many more in the next couple of months. So I just pray that they would take that step, make it a priority and that you would just open up, Lord, so many doors of opportunity as they see that connecting with your body is such a blessing, and obedience brings that blessing. I pray for those, Lord, who have never been baptized after they've received you, that they would take that step this fall to be baptized, to show that they love you. And, and Lord, I pray for those who've never put you first in their finances, they would take that step of faith and just see your blessings that you promise. I pray for those, Lord, who never really spend any time with you in Bible study or prayer that they would just begin to start spending time with you through our devotionals that we'll be doing. And I pray for those, Lord, who aren't connected to a life group. They would take that risk and get connected. And I know they'll never regret it. Lord, there's so many things that you call us to, but you only call us to one step at a time. 
and then another step, then another step. And so, Lord, I thank you for the great things you're gonna do in our lives, in our hearts, in our families. I thank you for what you're doing in our church. We give you all the credit because, Lord, we can't do any of it without your strength, but we can do all things through you who strengthen us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yeah. Well, in church, next weekend, we kick off the big fall. It's gonna be so exciting. I'll be starting a new series called Set Your Sails. It's all about how to live in divine momentum and clear direction. This is so important because Holy Spirit momentum makes you look a whole lot better than you are, and without it, you look a whole lot worse than you are. And God wants you to learn to set your sails to catch his power in your life and then also to get his clear direction, to get his clear direction in your life, to know where to step next and and what to do next and the decisions you need to make. And so I'm really excited about this series. We're gonna have a lot of fun. It's gonna be really creative, but it's really going to help us get right down practically to how to have clear direction, to know you're in the middle of God's will, and to just have his momentum in your life that makes all the difference. Hey, by the way, our Bridging the Gap Lake Counseling Ministry starts the seminar, their seminars on Saturday then you ought to sign up because it's really an amazing ministry. It's not just about training people to be counselors, but Dr. Paul Looney, our psychiatrist, MD, who's also one of our pastors here at Woodlands Church, he leads the training with our team and it begins this Saturday. It's really an opportunity for anyone who wants to learn to help others through difficult times. And so you learn about parenting and marriage, anxiety, depression, suicide, addictions, um, destructive habits, all these things, and you learn how to help others and yourself grow in freedom, overcoming these things. It's really powerful, not just for helping others, but for yourself. So I recommend that you get signed up. You can go out to the foyer out here. There'll be people in the lobby who can help you get signed up for that course, and it's really powerful. I want you just to think for a moment as we end the service about how much God loves you. We've said God, the great creator of the universe, cares about every detail of your life. He's thinking about you right now. If you had been the only one on this earth, he would have still come and died for you. That's how much he loves you. It's incomprehensible how much he loves me. You're the one he loves. You're the one he loves. You say, Carrie, how could he love me after all I've done? He loves you. There's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. But he hurts. His heart is crushed when you turn away from him. When I sin, it breaks his heart because he knows how much it hurts me and how destructive it is in relationships, but he loves you just the same. You're the one he loves. And so you don't have to clean up your mess to come to God. You just come to him. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. He'll help you grow and give you victory, but he loves you. He loves you. That's why at Woodland Church, you don't have to clean up your act and act happy to come to church. You can be brokenhearted, your heart crushed and bleeding. You can have all kinds of struggles and mess in your life and you just come here and you'll experience the love of God. You're the one he loves. You're the one he loves. I'm so thankful for that. When you look at God, do you see him smiling on you? Or do you see him frowning going, he'll never get it. He will never get it. I don't know why I put up with him. No, he looks down at you and says, that's my girl, that's my guy. That's my boy, I love him, yeah. He stumbled again, but I love him. He's the one I love. 
He loves you. And when you begin to realize that, it starts to change your life. You start walking in that love. You start obeying him because you love him. Because he first loved you. I want us to sing that because I believe as we sing this, God's gonna do a work in our hearts. Those of you online, you sing it with us. Follow along the words and just say, God, help me to feel that more, that you love me so much and just set me free to surrender to you because someone who loves me that much, I can trust with my life. Let's sing it. You're the one he loves. You're the one he loves. You are the one he loves. You're the one he loves. He loves you so much and he will never fail you. Let's sing. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.